The Voice of Medicine. Gedanken, Geschichten und Talks aus der faszinierenden Welt der Medizin. Denn wir bringen sie an den Puls. Präsentiert von Radiolutions. Dear ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of uh, The Voice of Medicine. Today with uh, me, Michael, and my guests today, a superstar in the field of forensic pathology, a man who dared to challenge one of the American holy grails, the American Football League itself. He's a man who inspired Hollywood to make a movie about him and his quest for the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, Professor Bennett Omalu. Bennett, I'm very happy that you could make it to my podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me, and thank you so much for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Thank you again. So, how are you doing? Let's start with that. I'm doing wonderfully well. I'm excited. Um, I'm talking to Swiss people. I've always respected and admired the Swiss. Um, you guys... Um, You, you are at the top of the world. Um, I'm, I'm doing very well, and I'm humbled to be with you today. Very happy to hear that. Bennett, I would start with the first question. As far as I know, you are originally from Nigeria, right? Yes, please. What made you to undertake the journey and go to the U.S.? What was your motivation behind this? Well, my motivation as a young man in my 20s I discovered that my country, Nigeria, was one of the most corrupt countries in the world. Mm -hmm. And I discovered that I could not be the best of myself or give a good account of myself in such a corrupt environment. I believed I was better than what Nigeria could offer me given the corruption in my country. So I knew I had to leave my country in order to be myself. The question is, where do I go? And I discovered America in books, in, in, on television. I discovered America was a place where I could be whatever I wanted to be in spite of my race, in spite of being African, that I believed America was the best country on earth in spite of its, um, its downsides, okay? And um, I, I, I chose to come to America. Um, to be myself, to be the best of myself, to give the best account of of my life. I see. To be, to, to be the best of me. So that was what brought me to America. Would you say, Bennett, that you are an example of the American dream? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, no. No, okay. Um, I'm not an example of the American dream, but I'm an example of the possibilities that are present in America. 
America is a land of the good, the bad, and the ugly. But America is a land where the impossible shall become possible. Interesting. Mm-hmm. If you work for it, if you study the American society, the impossible can become possible only in America. There is just something unique about this country that no other country has. It's one of the countries, one of the few countries that was founded on a dream. People came together, decided to write a constitution to carry out an experiment, an impossible experiment. And that narrative of America continues even until today. In spite of the ugliness of America, nobody is perfect. No country is perfect. Of course. Like you hear about the, the, the proliferation of guns and gun violence, the epidemic of gun violence. You hear about the epidemic of um, racial bigotry. But in spite of all that darkness, America still remains a land of great light, a a land of promise. In spite of the political situation in America, some of the things that are being said now by our leaders, Mm -hmm. it does not matter. It is transient. After four, possibly eight years, new leaders come into being. But the American story continues. So I don't see myself as an example of the American dream, but I see myself as an example of the impossible becoming possible in America. That's a very nice and interesting way to put it. You yourself only recently became American, right? In, in 2013, was it, or 15? Yes, I became an American citizen February 13, 2015, one day before Valentine's Day. <laughs> okay. It, It took me almost, um, I came to America in 1994. It took me almost um, 20 years to become an American citizen. It's not an easy task. It's difficult, but uh, it is worth it. It, it's, it is worth it. Um, So, so I'm, I'm thankful. Uh, I'm thankful and grateful that I finally became an American citizen. Okay, well, happy to hear that, that you that you managed after all those years that that you know were working very hard to get there. Now, I would like to talk yeah. a little bit more about your um, your profession and what you do on daily business. Obviously, I have seen the movie, which was made about you. And the first question which came into my mind was, are you fascinated by death? No, I'm not fascinated by death. I'm a forensic pathologist. Um, through the study of death as a science, because it, it is a scientific endeavor, I discovered that a body without a spirit is dead, okay? So the next question I ask myself is, what is the spirit in all of us? 
what is the difference between a dead person and a living person? The spirit is gone. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I started digging deeper using scientific methods. And science led me to faith. Science led me to faith, to Christianity, or any denomination, Muslim, uh, Hindu, Buddhist. Religion is not an end by itself, no. Religion is a tenet of faith. Religion should guide you to faith. And what is faith? Faith is simply a recognition of that spirit that lives inside you. A recognition of that spirit, a manifestation of that spirit, and the realization of the hopes of that spirit that lives inside you. You must feed that spirit. That is a beautiful thought, really. Um, I, I actually never saw it from this this uh, perspective. Now, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. In the movie, you were portrayed in several ways. And another thing which struck me was the way that you were portrayed as, as working at the autopsies. Do you really listen to music and talk to the buddies before you start the autopsy? Yes, yes. It's the same story because through the discovery of faith, I began to um, study the tenants of faith. I began to dig deeper into my Christian faith. And my Christian faith teaches us that when the body dies, the spirit leaves the body and the spirit leaves. The spirit leaves in the heavenly glory. So when a, a body comes to my autopsy table, The body is dead, but the spirit of that individual is alive. And anybody who has lost a closed family member would experience that. When you lose your father, your wife, your son, your daughter, although their bodies are dead, you can still talk to them in the spirit. So every human body that comes to my autopsy table I respect the body. I don't simply see it as a dead body. No. I see it as a body with a living spirit. And I treat it with the utmost respect and dignity. So I introduce myself to the body, to the spirit of that body. Like a doctor would introduce himself to his patient when you walk into a clinic to see a patient. So I introduce myself respectfully. Sometimes I speak out loud, but most times I speak in my heart, in my spirit. I introduce myself, this is who I am. Please guide me to the truth. Okay, let's do this together. If I know it's not a difficult case, I'll respect the person. This is who I am. I'm going to do an autopsy on you. Okay, I wish you well. And, and having done that over the years, I've done so many cases, like the Mike Webster case when I discovered CTE. People will ask me, yes. well, what made you examine his brain? 
when there was no reason to examine his brain. And my answer to them is because I spoke to Mike Webster's spirit and said to Mike Webster, guide me to the truth. Lead me on to the truth. I shall use all my knowledge and all my science to get to the truth. But you need to guide me, you need to help me. Because society, modern society, would want you to believe that science and faith do not go together. Mm-hmm. They are usually portrayed as, 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 you know, on, on, on the other sides of the spectrum. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. That science and faith are antagonistic. That is not true. That is not true. But let me tell you why it's not true. Science seeks the truth through scientific methods. And you notice in science, the more you discover, the more you realize what you do not know. And you continue to search. You keep the faith on science. You never get to the end of it. You never have all the answers. But you don't give up on science. Science seeks the truth. There is only one truth. Faith also seeks the truth. Through the tenets of faith, through prayer, through religion, through love. Okay? Now, faith, just like science, you cannot have all the answers to all the questions. The deeper you become in your faith, the more questions you don't have answers to. But what happens is we have a double standard. When it comes to faith, the moment we don't have the answers, we turn our backs on faith. Why don't we have the same standard for science, recognizing that we shall never get to the end of the truth? This is a very so interesting question you're raising there. Mm. Yes, you have patience with faith, just like you have with science. Since science and faith seek one truth, science and faith are synergistic. They are not antagonistic. Science synergizes and should strengthen your faith. And that was what happened in my life. I applied my science and I applied my faith. Both came together, synergized, and gave us great light, a great discovery of CTE. And I want the world to know that. I want the world to know that because in, mod- in modern life, we embrace science more, the tangibles, and we're beginning to move away from the intangibles, from the spiritual life. And that is why in America today, depression is uh, an uh, epidemic. Suicides are highest. Suicides are increasing because we, as mankind, are beginning to ignore our spirits. And the spiritual I needs within us, probably, well. then. Hmm? Uh-huh. Sorry. Yes. Um, the, the question which I would also like to ask you is, is you put almost everything on the line seeking the truth and, and telling people about, about what, what you found out that happened to Mike Webster, right? I would yes. like to know what made you be so so brave and and basically put it on the line you know not everyone would do that and and it takes a man with strong convictions and and a very strong you know moral uh, base to do such a thing or what was your motivation behind this my motivation was my faith the fundamental premise 
of faith is love. Love of neighbor. Love God above all things else. Then you love your neighbor because God is in your neighbor. Your neighbor is a manifestation of God. Okay? And the truth, that one truth, that one light, it's God. So if I profess the truth and confess the truth in my life, I shall be willing to die for the truth, to protect the truth. That is what restores my dignity as a human being. The truth. And the truth is empowering. The truth is enlightening. The truth is vindicating. So I had no other choice but to stand by the truth and to stand in the truth. So that was what motivated me. It was a battle between principalities, between darkness and light. And I discovered that many of these football players, American football players, yes. were suffering in silence after retirement. And people chose to look away. Where is love? I saw these people as my brothers. So I had to use my knowledge, my education, and my standing as a scientist to love them, to vindicate them, to make their lives better. Because in making their lives better, I was also making my life better. Because we all are one common family of mankind. We are one common humanity. Absolutely. Whether you're Swiss or Italian or African or American, we are all one family of mankind. And my faith teaches me that whatever we do, even to the least of us, we do to all of us. So you can use science as a constructive engagement to better the lives of all of us. That was only what I did to bring science and faith together in support of the truth, to make the life of another human being better. That was my motivation. And if I told myself once, I was prepared to die, to be honest with you, because faith, faith knows no fear. The truth knows no fear. I was prepared to die, even if at the end I was only able to make the life of just one human being better. On my deathbed, I would be proud of the life I've lived. That was my motivation and nothing else. That is extremely touching. I, I can The way you speak about this, the, the, the passion that you have in, in, in your words and everything, I can sense that you're a very a deeply spiritual person and, and you live by these things. And it's always wonderful to meet someone who, who does this. Now, we, you said that from your perspective, we what we do miss nowadays um, as humankind often is this uh, spiritual needs which we are neglecting. I would like you to to think, do you think we, specifically in medicine, right, when we talk about everyone who, who works in the, let's say, healthcare family, is there something that you notice that we are neglecting or missing a lot? Yeah, but I, I see that. I, I think 
um, we need to begin to move back to what we used to be before technology. We used to be a community of human beings. We used to see an individual as a whole being. We, we spent more time uplifting the spirit of each and every one of us. So I think healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, physical therapists, everybody, we need to begin to redefine who the patient is. The patient is not just a client or some number where you come in almost like a mechanical automated relationship between right. the physician and patient. No, no, no. For example, we need to begin to treat patients as whole beings, not just as people who need health care. A patient walks into your office before the patient sees the physician. There should be somebody who comes in to talk to the patient. Hello. Call the patient by his or her first name. How are you? What are you doing today? How are you doing today? How is your family? You need to have the names of his father, his mother, his son, daughter, brother. How is your home doing? How do you feel? Are you happy? What is bothering you in your life? You appeal to the spirit of that person, to the inner being of that person, to uplift that person, and not simply treat that person, okay, we have a business relationship, you're here as a patient to receive this service, all we can do is provide this service to you. Okay, we've done that, bye-bye. We need to stop that model wouldn't lead us too far. We need to begin to reinvest in happiness as a society, as a global society, to begin to relearn happiness. We need to start learning how to be happy again. Okay? It has to come from within. And that is why if you notice in the global uh, uh, environment now, Groups of people are pitching themselves against others. Okay, immigration is bad. You're not one of us. You're the other. It just shows human beings who are unhappy. We need to start learning in every aspect of our lives. Start learning again how to be happy. Because once you're happy, you wouldn't be attacking another human being. When you're happy, you want to uplift everybody around you, be you Jew or Gentile. You want to share happiness. the happiness, yes. Mm -hmm. You share your happiness with everybody. But when you're not happy, you inflict your unhappiness on everybody around you. And it has to start one person at a time. Am I making sense? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you do. A lot of things uh, you're bringing up are, are very enlightening to me personally, I have to say. Bennett, is a part of your job is also teaching, right? And foster the yes, next I generation think. of doctors. Yes. Um, what do you teach them? Besides the technicalities, of course. 
But what I've noticed um, many times when I'm teaching medical students, residents, fellows, other doctors, both undergraduate and graduate, you'll be so amazed. Most students, after we've talked about the science, okay, most students, they want to talk about my life and their lives. They want to learn from me how they could make their lives better. Okay. Um, many times, if you read my book, my memoir, Truth Doesn't Have a Side. I struggled with depression as a child. I was born during the Nigerian Biafran Civil War. I suffered malnutrition. I suffered the stresses of discrimination and uh, and uh, malnutrition and corruption because the tribe I belonged to lost the war. So we were treated like second-class citizens. So I developed depression. I struggled through medical school, but I overcame it. So many students will come to me to seek advice on how I overcame depression. And how come, just looking at me, I seem to be a very happy, joyful person. Why is that? What is it that I have other professors don't have? Why am I different? Okay, in spite of the movie being done about me, how come you're so humble? You don't even talk about yourself. So again, it appeals to that sense of spirituality, feeding the spirit that lives inside you. You need to take time at least once every day. I do it myself when I wake up in the mornings, even if it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20, 30, one hour, to just be at peace. Like me, I'm a Roman Catholic. I'm a Roman Catholic by faith. So what I do, I read my Bible, I read a verse or two, I play Christian music, and I, I pray. I say the rosary, uh, the chaplet of um, um, divine mercy. I, I pray and I meditate to feed my spirit. And I bet you any day I don't do it, that day wouldn't be productive for me. So that is, I feed my spirit on daily basis. And that is what makes me happy. I, I'm not afraid of anything. Because my spirit, I've discovered in my life, and this is what I teach students, I am far beyond and above any problem or difficulty I will face in my life. Because I'm worth more than any problem. I am way above as a human being, as a child of God, as a child of the universe. I'm as mighty as the sun or the moon or the tallest tree in the forest. So any problem I face, any discriminatory action I'm a victim of, name it. Somebody calls me a bad name. I'm above that. That shouldn't worry me because I'm a beautiful child of the universe. I have every right, as Desi Derata says, to be here. And same applies to each and every one of us. That is what I teach medical students. And another thing I teach them, I say, well, take some time 
think about yourself. Okay? There shall never be another you in the history of mankind. This is your only time, your only place, your only stage to be who you are. So the best thing you could do for all of us, for mankind and for yourself, is to be yourself, to be true to who you are. Because after this, there can never be another you in the history of mankind. Yes, yes. So you need to learn to be who you were born to be. And when you do that, when you live to be who you were born to be and to love your fellow human beings as you love yourself, there is nothing you cannot do in your life. The impossible shall become possible. That is what I teach medical students. <laughs> Wonderful and very motivational words, Bennett. Really amazing. Perhaps a little lighter question now. Um, yeah. How was it to meet Will Smith? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let, let, before I met Will Smith, I thought just like everybody, he's a, a mega star. He's a superstar. I didn't think he would be just like me. But I met him. The first night I met him, we spent a couple of hours together at dinner. He was just like me. He was just like me. A human, huh? A human. But Will Smith is different. Will Smith, one, is an extremely brilliant human being. He's extremely brilliant. What? Two, he's a very kind human being. He's, he's extremely kind. And he's extremely humble extremely humble. In fact, I think Will Smith is an angel. I'm not <laughs> saying this for, I spent months with that guy. That guy is a decent, beautiful human being. Which shocked me, because I, I had the opportunity to meet many other superstars in Hollywood. He is different. He is different. And, and he has such a high sense of humor. Every time I met him, I never saw him upset. Always in a good, jovial mood and always happy. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is great. I believe that uh, being playful in, in life, adding to the humility that you actually really possess inside yourself... Uh, makes life much more easier, don't you think? Uh, yeah, yeah. It make it makes life more worth living, and I learned that from Will Smith. I really did. Let, let me share with you one thing he said to me. He may not remember, but I remember every word he said to me. He said to me, Bennett, hey, you know, after this movie is done and Will Smith plays you in a movie, your life is going to change people will begin to think you are something you are not. But do me a favor. In whatever you, you are doing, wherever you are, if somebody wants to come and say hi to you, to shake your hand, to take a selfie with you, please don't turn that person down. 
no matter how tired you may be, no matter how distracted you may be, please stop and do meet that person. Because that person who is coming to you to meet you is doing it out of love. It means a lot to that person just to say hi and give you a hug. Don't take it away from that person. Give it. It doesn't cost you anything. Just 30 seconds, one minute. You make a difference in the life of another person. And till today, as I'm talking to you, I'm I'm practicing that. And I've watched him. If you watch him, wherever he is in public, he reaches out to the people. He reaches out, he says hi, he hugs people, he takes selfies. So who am I? So in, in, in meeting him, he touched, he touched my life. He enhanced my life. <laughs> and I'm thankful for that. I am. That is beautiful. I, I think, you know, sometimes you learn amazingly new things from, from people uh, that you would not expect that you can learn them from these, uh, this particular person or that kind of person. So it's, uh, yes. it's, it's great. And having something like this uh, uh, from, from Will Smith, it, you know, it's, it's, it's just a precious thing. Um, yes, it, it is. It is. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful. And not just Will Smith, many other people like Peter Landinsman, the director of the movie um, and some other uh, consultants like uh, Ridley Scott and his wife, Giannina. I learned a lot from them. Uh, Hollywood folks are very intelligent, creative, and talented people with wonderful personalities. Um, they're, they're, they're good people <laughs> with good hearts. <laughs> Great. Bennett, one last question for you. I know, you could ask me as many as you want. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. But, you know, time is precious and so is yours very, very much. So I don't want to to, to keep you too long. But trust me, our listeners are going to be very, very happy about this. Uh, It was a beautiful, beautiful conversation that we were having here. Sure, if you want me back, I'll come back. Okay, (laughs) thank you very much. Thank you. Very honored about that. I might I, I, I might call you. I might call you very soon again. <laughs> sure, sure. Why not? <laughs> so my last question to you would be if if basically you should give one advice to our listeners to make their life even remotely better and happier, what would you tell them? Well, I, I will use the same advice I would give myself. Why don't you sit down in a quiet space in your house or apartment and ask yourself, are you happy? Are you happy? Money is not going to make you happy. Success is not going to make you happy. What would make you happy is being yourself. And how could you be yourself? Search within you. Talk to the spirit inside you. And seek yourself. Feed the spirit inside you through the acts of faith. 
faith is not religion, but religion is a tenant or component of faith. Manifest the spirit inside you. And when you do that, you do good works. You do good works. Love, love, love. Love yourself just the way you are. Love yourself just the way you are. Be yourself. And do not live your life according to the expectations of society, what society wants you to be. Seek love, seek truth, and the light of the truth. Invite God. Whether you believe in God or not, it doesn't matter. Invite God or whatever spirit of light, that universal spirit or being, whatever you may conceive it to be, but I believe is God. Open yourself. Just invite, say, God, come into my life. Make me who I was meant to be. I guarantee you, in the darkness of my depression, I was depressed. There were some times I almost thought of killing myself. But it was the light of my faith that pulled me through. It was the light of my faith that enabled me to discover CTE. There's the light of my faith that has made me successful in my career. I am myself now, and I'm happy. And nothing, nothing can take away that joy from me, even death. And come what may, this is a final advice. Do not be afraid of anything. Fear is not of light. Do not be afraid. Do not be anxious of anything. Be at peace. For you are above and beyond everything that faces you. You can overcome it. Amen. <laughs> wow. Another closing, amazing Wonderful and very, very powerful thought from Professor Bennett Omalu. Thank you very much, Bennett, again for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, this was my guest today, and uh, I'm looking forward to to uh, make another episode very soon. Thank you very much, Bennett. Thank, thank you, you so for being so here. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Uh, bye. bye. The Voice of Medicine Gedanken, Geschichten und Talks aus der faszinierenden Welt der Medizin Denn wir bringen sie an den Puls Präsentiert von Radiolutions